Welcome to episode 140 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Welcome back to another episode. In this week's episode, we are replaying a legacy episode, going way back to episode number nine with Shannon Sharma. I think you'll enjoy hearing from Shannon. And we apologize, both Kim and I were feeling a bit under the weather this past week uh, at the time of our recording uh, for feeling badly for different reasons. And uh, we just weren't able to record a new episode. And so we will be back this next week with a new episode that uh, in that wonderful guest has already been booked. So we are looking forward to that. So enjoy this legacy episode with Shannon Sharma, and we'll talk to you again next week. So we have with us today Shannon Sharma, who is a speech-language pathologist at the DePaul School for Hearing and Speech. Shannon, why don't you further introduce yourself and sort of talk about how you got into telepractice and then maybe a little bit about the school itself. Certainly. Yeah. So I'm Shannon Sharma. I am a speech-language pathologist. I've been in the field for about five years now, um, finishing up my listening and spoken language certification. I just have to take the test in uh, the fall, so excited to get that wrapped up. Um, let's see. So DePaul School for Hearing and Speech uh, is an option school, meaning that we service families and children um, from ages like toddler all the way up to eighth grade uh, who are pursuing the listening and spoken language mode of communication. Um, my experiences with teletherapy uh, actually started when I started at DePaul School. I was offered an opportunity to get involved with um, the end of like a pilot program with the University of Pittsburgh. And I worked with a few students that were international, so Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. um, Northern Ireland. I just thought that was a really cool experience to be able to have. Um, and then after I kind of dipped my toes in the water with teletherapy, I wanted to like, get to know teletherapy a little bit more. So in addition to working for DePaul School for Hearing and Speech, I um, signed on with a contracting company and I work with uh, students uh, who receive therapy through their cyber schools. So I worked with kids from preschool all the way actually up to high school. And that's where I learned a little bit more of the ropes of um, the resources that I can use and some different techniques. Awesome. That's, and that's sort of is like a scenario that a lot of people are following. Uh, they do some contract work. So are you still doing the contract work outside of DePaul? I'm actually not going to not. sign on for this, for this, this year. year. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so, also thankful that I had had that experience before we all, everyone had to switch to teletherapy um, because of the pandemic. But it, it was a little bit hard to balance everything. I'm sure. Work-life balance is a little tough when you're starting at eight and ending at eight. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's that's coming up a lot in our interviews, <laughs> that work-life balance uh, and everyone trying to figure out how to do this and maintain that balance. What's been, so now, if you don't mind, with DePaul being there many, many years as a as a school for children with hearing loss who are developing listening and spoken language, I noticed, you know, when you presented uh, recently and I had a chance to see you, you presented a very unique model, I thought, of, of how you've structured your telepractice sessions. And, and what I mean by that in terms of my, you know, typical model, because I'm usually working with early intervention kids, uh, is connecting to the uh, family's home and usually doing a lot of parent coaching with the child. But you do it a little differently in terms of how you deliver those services. So kind of talk about how this uh, unique model has, has developed at DePaul. Yeah, so um, this was, this past year was my fourth or fifth year working in a school setting. Um, and so the standard way of communicating with parents from a school setting has really been notes home, you know, a speech folder, uh, emails, and, you know, phone calls. Sometimes you see a family for open house night and then you don't see them until graduation. And so, you know, working with kids with listening and spoken language um, needs, you know, we have a really unique situation where um, working with the parents and really teaching them the strategies is going to mean a whole lot more than just sending home the words to practice and um, adults learn by doing. So I really wanted to capitalize on that. And I was already doing a little bit of teletherapy, and I thought, you know, why why not? So a little bit of background. So the way that I do teletherapy is um, a little bit of an adaptation. So I am with the student in school, and the parent logs on from home or from work um, and gets an opportunity to practice their skills and to do some observing. Um, so, yeah. So uh, I found that that's been made such a colossal change in the way that parents interact with their child. And, and it starts to shift the perspective that the professionals know best. You know, it makes it kind of like a more of a back and forth. Like you are a professional on your child and I'm here to guide you. So it's, it's a way of passing the torch. Awesome. That's not something I've... I don't know, thought about before as a way to do it, but I feel like, um, cause I do teletherapy in the schools and just when we switched, so I was doing it at going into their home via the computer versus being at school. I had a lot of parents that were like, Oh, it's so nice to see what you guys have been working on. And I feel more involved. Um, and I think that's a great way for people to take everything that we've learned about telepractice during this crazy time and when they are back in person at the schools to not be like, well, I'm going to stop doing that now and all of that, well, those things that I learned don't help me anymore. But that would be a great way to get parents more involved. I love that idea. Yeah. And I found that like moving straight to like tell the traditional model of teletherapy because of COVID, um, mm -hmm. I feel like I had an advantage because I already had made this great connection with parents and they already saw their role um, 
so I didn't have to start from scratch, which was nice. So, Shannon, would, if you don't mind, kind of describe a typical session um, when you have the parent sort of joining you through technology and you have the child there in your office and how I thought it was really cool watching you work with the child, but also giving the parent lots of turns to interact with their own child and, and sort of coordinating that through telepractice, which was, you know, really, really unique. Yeah. So it's very progressive, um, in, in the steps that you take. So, you know, the parent can have multiple roles. So the parent is always a collaborator, always telling me what's going on at home. Um, how can we make that happen at school? You know, the pre-planning and the, uh, home carryover planning. Um, and the next step would probably be observing the session. Um, and I found a lot of benefits, um, as far as observations and the things that parents can learn through observation, they can also record in the session so they can help take data to kind of get an ear and an eye for what they're looking for, what they're listening for. And then they can also be active participants, which is fantastic. So I split it up into five steps. So the first step is to plan beforehand. So before you meet with the student and the parent together, uh, you got to think about, you know, what parent coaching strategies am I going to use? What role will this parent have in my session? Um, I found the pre-planning is super key, like especially when you only have like 30 minutes with this parent, maybe once a week or once every other week. You really have to make sure you're using that time as best you can. Um, after that, I try to log on with the parent before the student gets there. So sometimes that requires a little bit of uh, coordinating with my other fellow therapists, maybe they can get grab my student, um, my student beforehand so I can have some time with the parent. Um, but sometimes the, the student is in the room, and that's totally fine, too. You just have to kind of give them something to keep their hands busy. Uh, after that, um, so we do a little bit of pre-planning. I tell them, you know, they tell me how their, their day has been and what they want to work on, and I tell them, you know, what's been going on in therapy and, and how I think we can bridge home and school together for this session. Uh, after that, we go into the therapy session, which is usually about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and that can involve some, you know, natural parent coaching. Uh, after that is uh, we take maybe three to five minutes to plan our carryover and reflect on, you know, what went well and, you know, what felt great and what maybe we want to work on next time. And then after that, I finish up with the parent and take the student back to his or her classroom. And the last thing I do is I always make sure to follow up with the parents. So give them a summary of what we did and remind them of their targets for, for at home. Um, yeah, as well as, um, reminding them of the strategies that we worked on. So you could do all of that in 30, 35 minutes. So, I mean, not only are you like making this fantastic uh, relationship with the family, but it's very time efficient. You know, people mm -hmm. who work in schools, therapists that work in schools may have a huge caseload and, you know, time efficiency is really important. Yeah, that's well, great. I do hear a lot of people having huge caseloads at the school. And I think you could even adapt it. So maybe like even just once a month, you rotated through kids. So the parent was getting some idea of 
what was happening in therapy and what they were seeing in the school. And I've really, there's a lot of times, especially through teletherapy that I only see the parent when they're at the IEP meeting. (laughs) And that's the only, you know, and it depends on, I have more, I have some parents that like request more interaction with me and I'll email them after sessions and things like that. But a lot of times it is just at the IEP meeting once a year that I see those parents. And I think as, as a parent, I would love the chance to, you know, I don't know, even be that fly on the wall and see what um, my kid was doing in therapy and how I could uh, replicate that and do the same things at home. So that's a great idea. That's great to hear. I mean, from a parent perspective that you feel that this would be helpful. Yeah. Through my um, three years of working towards my whistles, I was uh, working through hearing first the organization that's really helping, Mm -hmm. like doing a wonderful job to help spread this training and this information. And I got to see all of these, you know, top, get like a little peek into these top professionals therapy sessions. And I, that's Mm -hmm. where I saw parent coaching for the first time. And I was like, I, I I want that. I want to have that. I want to be able to do that. So. Yeah. It's, it's something that's not, uh, well covered or taught in our training programs. Um, It's only um, if that professor, a professor has an interest, you know, especially in, in speech language pathology, I've noticed Uh, just not a lot of information on parent coaching and how to deal, you know, how to really develop skills with a parent. Mm -hmm. And I feel like parent coaching for elementary and like school age students is, I I don't hear about that very much at all. It's usually focused on the infants and any early intervention practitioners that know parent coaching. So is there anything, any tips that you have for someone who is like, oh, I maybe want to adopt this model, but I haven't done a lot of parent coaching. What were some of the things that helped you to kind of, it's like releasing the reins and, you know, having them become the therapist and things like that. What were some things that helped you? I think, you know, taking, you're getting some time to like get to know the parent and establish that relationship is key. And, you know, being really easy on yourself because, I mean, as a new therapist, I was really concerned that parents are going to say, you know, you're telling me how to, you know, raise my child and how to help them with development. You, how old are you? What are you 25? <laughs> so, um, just, just, uh, keeping that mindset that, you know, you don't know everything, right. You don't know everything about this child and you, may, you probably don't know everything about the, this field of listening and language development, but that that's okay. I mean, you're here to, mm-hmm work through it with the parent and learn with the parent. They are your learning partner. I like that. Yep. I always have tried to make sure I'm conveying to the parent and I'm remembering myself that they're the expert on their child. I might be the expert as far as language development, but they are the expert on their child. Mm -hmm. So making sure that they know that and that you know that I think helps too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and things, some things are going to work and some things are just going to be garbage and you just don't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have some funny stories about things that, you know, didn't go the way as, as I planned and please share. That's how we learn too. So that's great. (laughs) Please share at least one or two, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, sure. So one of the sessions that I was, I knew when I, I was planning it, I was like, yes, this is, this is going to work. This is good. I was working on this, this one and that one with one mm -hmm. of the students. So my language target was this one and that one. And, and I was like, okay, the parents on the computer, so the parents at home, so they're going to be that one. And the, and the thing that we're holding is going to be this one. Mm -hmm. And it, did not translate for a four-year-old, let me tell you. <laughs> they don't have, they don't really have the theory of mind to understand mm -hmm. that your parent who's on the computer is miles away at home. Right. So that crashed and burned. But one thing that I thought was really cool was it was the parent who brought it to my attention that that's mm -hmm. why it probably didn't work. So, you know, something good that came out yeah. of it was, you know, the parent stepping up as a therapist, you know, feeling like they know their child, they can work with their child. Do you, do you have any sort of go-to materials or websites or, you know, other, other resources that you could recommend for people that may be um, starting telepractice and working with young children? I would Definitely recommend Hearing First. Uh, Hearing First has some really fantastic um, courses, and they're all f free. So you can get mm -hmm. a real top-notch education um, from some of the top professionals in the field, which they have parent coaching, they have acoustic science, you know, any area you might mm -hmm. want to explore. Um, there's also forums on there, so if you have any question, you can just throw it up there and Maybe Jane Medell will give you a little tips or Carol Flexer. <laughs> you never know. Um, sure. Also, um, for my parent sessions, I, I usually use whenever I'm with the kid in my therapy sessions, I um, typically use this, the materials that I would use in any other therapy session. And I just make sure I give the parent a turn um, to try out mm -hmm. the strategies and present the information but as far as if I wanted to use virtual materials, I really like those like scenes where it's like chaos and there's like maybe it's a jungle <laughs> scene and there's a million animals and stuff. So, you know, that you can share your screen and the parent can have better access to the to the visual that way rather than me holding something up. Oh, those yeah, are those great ideas. Where there's, yeah, I like those scenes where there's a lot to talk about of what's going on in there and. And then you kind of follow the kids' lead at what they think is interesting in there. So those I've liked those too. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have any advice for those uh, new telepractitioners that either they chose or it was chosen for them to start doing telepractice very quickly? Um, any you know general advice that you would give people as they start uh, delivering services through technology? You don't have to be a technology wizard. I <laughs> was presenting at AG Bell International about technology, and my friends and family can vouch that I am not a technology person. <laughs> and when things go wrong, I get a little panicky. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said before, just be easy on yourself and, you know, you know don't feel like you have to get it perfect and get it right. Um, also reach out to other people, ask how other people have used teletherapy, listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 
Just use all your resources you have available. That's great. Yeah, I think the technology scares a lot of people away from it. And it really is once you get the hang of it and you maybe have like a go-to person that you can talk to if something goes wrong, but you know, like in general, if I do this and this and this, then I'm logged on and I can do it the right way, then I think it works. And it doesn't always have to be... um, I don't know. It doesn't always have to be like a professional in, you know, IT person. Like mine is my husband. He's my in-house IT person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's lots of resources that you can get. And, and some people can even contact like their, their school IT person that, you know, they might not be very busy right now, (laughs) or they might be really busy right Mm -hmm. now, depending on how it's going to get help with that, those online learning things, or another teacher at the school. um, And that's what my husband's also a teacher. So he's been the go-to person for lots of teachers at the school that were, you know, having a hard time transitioning to online. So there's always someone that you can reach out to that, you know, has that computer savviness and you don't have to have a lot of that. And you, and then the therapy part, you already know how to do. That's what we've been mm-hmm. trying to tell people. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Another piece of advice I would give uh, would be to just over explain, especially when you're working with parents and, you know, this is new to them. Um, you know, when you're explaining how to use a strategy or, um, where to put the materials, you know, you have to explain it in a way that you might think is, is too explicit or too, too detailed, but it's never too detailed. Yeah. Right. I would say that even with technology too, Mm -hmm. I know I had like sent some forms on an email for parents to fill out and the parent was telling me like, I filled it out. I did it. And I had to like explain, and then you have to save it and you have to attach <laughs> it to the email and you have to send it back to me. Right. <laughs> Never assume. Right. <laughs> so now, now I just put that on everyone. Every time I send an email to them, I'm like, fill this out, then save it, then attach it, then email it back to me. And I'm like, they, some people probably think like, she thinks I don't know this, but I just won't assume that mm-hmm. you know the steps without me telling you for the technology too. Yeah, absolutely. I've had some really funny mix-ups with that. Like one of my sessions, I was explaining to a parent about taking data and I, you know, even watching it, like listening back, I was like, I think I was pretty clear. And then when we ended the session, there was no data taken. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let's reassess the situation. But watching recordings of yourself is really helpful. If you mm-hmm. think you've recorded, you know, if you think you've uh, explained something really thoroughly and it didn't come through, you know, to listen to it again is something that I found to be really helpful. That's a great I agree. I use, I use that with my grad students from time to time. To be able to, you know, go back and rewatch something and and make adjustments. Yeah, right. And even rewatching things like um, using that as a tool to coach parents, I found is mm-hmm. really useful as well for parents to see themselves. That's what I, I was going to add. That too. That that's something yeah. that um, I am certified in the Hannon training, and that's something they use in the Hannon trainings a lot. Is having the parents watch themselves and then they kind of self analyze with how they're doing. So it's something that's. I think helpful for all of us to kind of evaluate ourselves. Oh yeah. The Hannon pro- uh, program is fantastic. I was exposed to that a little bit in graduate school. 
Well, Shannon, thank you for joining us today. Any last uh, words of wisdom you want to share? Well, Carol Flexer is famous for saying hearing loss is a doorway problem. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to encourage therapists in a school setting to think about parent sessions as a doorway problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to use the technology we have to open up those doors for opportunities. Very well said. And I think I think that is perfect. Thank you again for joining us. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Shannon being with us today, and it really was exciting to learn more about these virtual parent sessions. I think it's a great concept, and I hope many other people and professionals will adopt this concept. And by the way, if you're not familiar with the DePaul School for Hearing and Speech, it is located in Pittsburgh, please go online. Check them out, and if you have a child with hearing loss and live in that area, it may be a school that you want to check out. And also, I'll ask you, if you don't mind, if you like what we're doing with this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. That helps us attract new listeners and grow the show. And by growing the show, you can also help by sharing this podcast or this episode with your friends, your colleagues, and others who might need to hear this information. That would be great. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week with another exciting episode. Until then, this has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network. (laughs) 